title of the message is called Faith is the Key. It says in Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, talking about Jesus, and his disciples followed him. Now, I could preach on that, but I'm, I'm going to leave that one there. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And so they were offended in him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people, and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now, just kind of a little introduction what's happening here. Jesus is the Son of God. He was born into this world, into this earthly realm, to redeem you and I, humanity, from its bondage to the enemy. And yes, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. We were in bondage to death, hell and the grave, and there is an enemy that had the keys, and his name is the devil. And Jesus came to rescue us and to free us and to save us from the bondage to the enemy and give us the opportunity to reconcile with God and receive citizenship in the kingdom of God. While Jesus died on the cross for all, it is those who receive uh, his work on the cross and those who receive are those who believe in the work that Jesus did for them. It is God's grace appropriated in the life of people by faith. Many of y'all know this scripture, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I, I get the opportunity to travel every so often. I've been to South America, I've been to Mexico, and one of the things that you'll find is a lot of people believe if I can do more good things than bad things, then God will listen to me, or if I need a miracle, if I'll just do this or, or suffer a little bit or walk a little bit or do some kind of work or whatever the case may be, and then maybe God will uh, uh, merit, uh, somehow find merit in what I'm doing and grant me a miracle. But the Bible says it is, a, it is, not by, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of works. So wait a minute. You said you're talking about miracles, and I'm just talking, I mean, uh, uh, salvation, and I'm talking about miracles. Everything in the kingdom of God is by grace through faith. God did the work, we receive it by faith. We recognize what God has done, we believe in the work that Jesus did, and then by faith, we begin to walk it out in our lives. We've said many times that faith is the currency of the kingdom. Now, how many know uh, if you want to go to a store and you want to buy something, you got to have currency, right? Now, before, we used to have something called dollar bills. <laughs> now, some people are taking bitcoins. Uh, some people are taking these little plastic cards that say Visa on them. But the bottom line is it's supposed to be back by, our, in our culture, uh, a dollar bill, right? And so that's currency. How we exchange our labor 
for currency, and then we take the currency and go exchange it for somebody else's labor uh, uh, and that they put in, into the store, whatever the case may be, because basically what they did is a product of their labor. So currency is a means to exchange what we do with our hands, our ideas, whatever the case may be, but everything is done through currency. And in the kingdom of God, the currency is not a dollar bill, it's not a peso, it's not a lemur, it is uh, faith. Faith is the key to seeing the Word of God and the promises of God manifest in our life. So that being the key, the first point we want to look at is we want to look at Jesus' ministry and the part that faith played in it. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now that's awesome, that Jesus, when he walked the planet, this is what Jesus did, and many, many people received healing and deliverance and, and salvation because Jesus was, was doing the works of God in the midst of them. And in Matthew 4, 23 through 24, how did Jesus do that? Or what, did, what exactly did Jesus do? It says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of diseases among the people. And then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Now, how many of y'all would, are, you know, if you're thinking to yourself, I wish Jesus was here today? Because, man, I got problems. I, I got things that I, if Jesus were here, I know that Jesus could do something in my life. Well, let's go back and see how did Jesus do the work that he did, right? In Luke 4, 16 through 21, it says, He, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And, his, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And actually, we preached about this in the last couple of services. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So basically what Jesus is saying is I'm here to do the work of God. I'm here to uh, heal all those that were oppressed of the devil. And how do I do that? I do that not in my godhood, but I do that as a man empowered by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God on me, Jesus is saying, is, is on me to equip me to preach the gospel to the poor. The Spirit of God, he's saying, equips me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what I'm wanting you to see is that Jesus was anointed with the Spirit of God. Everywhere he went, that anointing on his life was manifested in people to set them free. But I want you to recognize that while the opportunity and the availability was there for everybody, the reason that we chose the text that we did in Mark is I wanted you to see that not everybody took advantage of it. Not everyone availed themselves of what was on Jesus and what was available to them because in order to receive what he carried, you had to believe. Right? 
Because it says in our text in Mark 6, 5 through 6, it says to them, he could do no mighty work there. Now, I want you to notice it doesn't say he would not do. It says he could not do. Now, how many of y'all believe the Word of God? And how many of y'all can see that? Does it say he would not or does it say he could not? He could not do any mighty work there. you got to be kidding me. What do you mean, Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Son of God, but everything he did on the planet, he did as a man, empowered by the Spirit of God. And I'm wanting you to recognize is the way that what God had anointed him to do, the way that it happened in the lives of people, is they had to believe. Because the Bible says in this verse, it says, He could not do any mighty work there except lay his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Now remember, I read that scripture just a while ago where it says, And he went around all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every form of sickness, every form of disease among the people because God was with him. He was doing all that. But he goes to Nazareth and everything he was doing, as was his custom, he could not do there. Why? And the Bible says he marveled because of their unbelief. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what I wanted you to see and what I want you to see is that Jesus is full of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit is upon him. It's flowing through him. Others are receiving from the ministry of Jesus, but in Nazareth, they could not. Why? The Scripture is very blunt in saying they could not receive from Jesus because of their unbelief. That is, they had no currency. They went into the store, and this is a very bad metaphor, but just it's like going to the store without any money. I'd like to have that. Where's your money? Well, it's all here. I mean, it says right here that, that you know, all this stuff is available. It's all available, but you've got to have currency in order to get it. No currency, and even though it's all available for you to have, you can't have it because there has to be an exchange, right? In the kingdom of God, what is the currency? Faith, right? So even though Jesus had everything with him, they could not receive it because they didn't have faith. They, Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. Unbelief is the same word faith with the word awe in front of it. In the Greek, it's pistis, which means faith. We translate that to faith. And then in the Greek, when it says unbelief, it's awe pistis, and that means no faith. Right? It means no faith. So basically, he could not do any mighty works there because they had no faith. So they displayed no faith to appropriate that which others had been accessing and which God would have wanted them to access and would have freely given them. How can I say that? Because it says he could do no mighty work there. Again, it doesn't say he would not do, but that he could not do. It wasn't up to him. It was up to them. Faith is key if we want to walk out and appropriate the promises of God for our lives. Easy example. Most people in this country, if whether accepted or not, is, is another thing. But understand that we preach the gospel. We preach that Jesus saves, right? When we talk about Jesus saying Jesus went to a cross, he died for all humanity. But in order to receive what he did, we have to believe in what he did. We have to recognize that we're lost. We have to believe that we're lost. If we don't believe we're lost, we're not going to want to be found. Right? The Bible says, for all have 
sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, what's the problem with that? The wages of sin is death. What is awaiting for those that are separated from Christ? Death, hell, and the grave. Well, wait a minute. I don't want to go to hell. That's why Jesus died, so you didn't have to. But in order to access the privileges that he uh, uh, purchased, redeemed for us at the cross of Calvary, we have to believe in the work that he did that we could not do on our own. By grace are you saved through faith. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's all available to everyone, but you have to believe to receive. Right? I believe when I got saved, 1985, I didn't go to church. I was told that I was a Christian because I was Catholic. I was told you're Catholic, whatever the case may be, but I recognized I was lost. It didn't matter. It, see, you can be Baptist, you can be Methodist, you can be Lutheran, you can be Catholic. You can have your name on every roll, and the bottom line is unless you're born again, you have not accessed that which God made available to you to the, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In order to access that, you got to believe that you're lost, and you got to believe that Jesus is God's answer or God's remedy for your situation. Right? It's not Buddha. It's not Confucius. It's not the church. It's Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Well, how do I accept Jesus? How do I, how do I access what Jesus provided at the cross of Calvary? You've got to believe in what he did. He was sinless, but he died. I thought the wages of sin is death. Absolutely. We all deserve to die. He did not. So why did he die? He that knew no sin became sin for us. No one takes his life, but he lays it down of his own accord, of his own free will. He died in our place so that anybody that believed in him could access what he wants. He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. We have what's called a, a, a rags of our righteousness is like filthy rags. We, without Christ, we are dirty. We're unclean. We, we, in the presence of God, we say, well, I'm I take a shower every day. But in the presence of God, and we're not talking about how, how clean your flesh is. We're talking about you as an individual, as a person. No one can stand in the presence of God because God is holy. And every one of us will fall short of God's standards. So we have to, when we believe in Christ, our garments, what, we, what the Bible says are filthy garments, we exchange his garments, which are clean and pure and righteous, and we give him our garments. That's what happened to the cross of Calvary. He took our sins, and we take his righteousness. He took upon him our robes of, of unrighteousness, and we made an exchange when we believe on him, and we take upon ourselves his robe of righteousness. How do we do that? By faith. We believe in what Jesus did. We believe in the work that he did to such an extent that what I did when I, when I was in my room, and it was about three months of going to church and recognizing I'm lost, I was in my room, and the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. At that moment, I was a whoever, and I was calling. And I said, God, are you real? And God said, yes, I am. And at that moment, God came into my life, and it wasn't because I was on a membership role. It wasn't because I was going to church. It's because I had an experience with God where God heard my cry, and he saved me, and God came and took up residence inside of me. And I'm a born-again Christian in whom the Spirit of God resides. And if you called on the name of the Lord by faith, then you believe, then God also appropriated to you the work he did on the cross of Calvary. And you can say, as with all those who have called on him, I'm saved because I've been born again. How do we do that? By faith. By faith. Right? 
Second thing I want to look at is I want to look at now the apostles' ministry and the part that faith had to play in their ministry. In Matthew 17, 14 through 20, the Bible says, When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Faithless means without faith, right? How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus very bluntly said to them, Because of your unbelief. And what's another way of saying unbelief? Because you were without faith. Another translation says, Because you had little faith. For assuredly I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you don't have to have a lot of faith, but you have to have faith. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And if we were to jump down to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, the Bible says he called his 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So what I've done is I told you what happened with the boy, but this is what preceded that. Jesus had called them to himself, and he had given them authority and power to heal the sick and to cast out demons. So he said, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs nor bag nor bread nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there. From there depart. Whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as, as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Do you see here it says the disciples went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Inclusive in that, that synopsis of healing everywhere is they were healing bodies and they were casting out devils. This was preceding the text we just read where Jesus came down off the mountain and said, you faithless and perverse generation. We, what we see is that Jesus had given the disciples, the apostles, authority and power over all demons and to heal. We also see that they went everywhere doing what Jesus had given them authority and power to do, and they were successful. They were healing. They were setting people free. They were successful. Yet when Jesus came down from the mountain, he was presented with a boy whom the disciples could not uh, exercise the demon out of, and he proceeded to set the boy free. When they asked him why they could not, he basically said the issue was not with their authority and the issue was not with their power. The issue was with faith. I've given you authority. I've given you power. Why could we not do it? Because of your unbelief without faith. It was their faith that was the central issue in fulfilling the word of God, the command of God, the promise of God, the will of God in them and through them. What I'm trying to get you to see is that faith is the key to access the promises of God in their lives, but it's also the key for us to access the promises of God in our life. See, sometimes we think God doesn't want to or God won't, but it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact of whether we believe or not. God already did it. God already provided do we believe? 
Faith is the key. So why do we keep preaching about this? Because uh, I, I just believe that as I preach the Word of God, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The more knowledge you get of the Word of God, the more uh, 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 understanding you get of the Word of God, the more your faith increases, and the more your faith increases, the more opportunity you have to receive from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God. I want to stop there for a minute. It doesn't say, I used to read this, it's powerful. It's not what it says. It says it is the power of God. Right? Now, how many of you know, I heard somebody say this uh, the other day, if you were to go back in history to a time when people were living, uh, uh, you know, uh, in caves or whatever the case may be, and you were to talk to them about electricity, they would think you're nuts. You don't know what you're talking about. Electricity, yeah, yeah, you just plug your thing in the wall, and all of a sudden you can power, you know, a, a phone. What's a phone? You can power a hairdryer. What's a hairdryer? You know, you can power all these kind of things. You say, what in the world are you talking about? It's, it's uh, without knowledge, without understanding, and they have no clue of what you're talking about. Well, I want you to know that today we've understood that it's always been there because back in those times there was electricity. They just didn't know. They weren't aware. They had no clue how it functioned. It took time for people to come to an understanding of what electricity is, and then when they come to an understanding of what electricity is, they had to learn how to harness electricity, how to work with electricity, how to let electricity power their stuff. Not only does it power your hair dryers and your lights, but now it's even powering the vehicles. Unless you live in California, then you're in trouble. <laughs> Nobody use your electric vehicles because the grid's about to go down. Anyway, forget it. Okay, so it's the same thing with God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God. You're kidding me. I want you to know that God is a God of love, but I also want you to know that God is a God of power. What's that power for? It's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. What does that word believe mean? It means who has faith. But I also want you to know what that word salvation means. That word salvation means, a lot of people just confine it because it's all they've been taught. Salvation means if I call out to God, then when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Well, it is a fruit of what happens when you're restored to relationship with God. It's not that if I call out to God, I'm going to go to heaven. It's if I call out to God, I will be restored to God, and in God, there is no death. We transition, our body perishes, but we live on forever in the presence of God, right? And so that's what it means to be saved. Uh, we say, well, I, if I call out to God, then when I die, I'm going to go with Jesus to heaven instead of going to hell, and that's a good thing. We want to go to heaven and not to go to hell, and yes, hell is real. But heaven is real as well. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, well, that's the gospel. But I want you to know that salvation means more than that. You see, I don't know if you know this, but we are what we call tripartite beings. That means if you had a pie and you cut it in three parts, that's tripartite. You cut it in three. The word tri means three. Anybody ever had a tri-tip? right? 
a piece of steak, it comes from three different parts of meat. We are tripartite beings. That means we are in three parts. We are spirit, soul, body. Most people combine salvation to the spirit. In other words, when my spirit and God's spirit become reconciled, I go to heaven. But God didn't just save you spirit. God saved you so that you can be whole spiritually, but also emotionally and physically. Every part of you can be made whole. Well, you just don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand what kind of things have been in my family. You know, we have, uh, uh, you know, we have, uh, I've got PTSD, or I'm struggling with this, or we have a history of uh, mental illness, or we have a history of, of depression, or we have, you know what? I want you to know that Jesus paid a price for you to be set free from that. Jesus paid a price for you to be set free, not only emotionally in your soul and your mentally, which is part of your soul, but also physically. If you're blind, if you're lame, if you're uh, ail, uh, ailing, if you're injured, uh, Jesus paid a price for you to be made whole physically. Remember, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the enemy, for God was with him. I want you to understand that God's understanding of sickness and disease and affirmity and affliction and sickness and death is that's from the enemy, and Jesus paid a price for you to be delivered from the clutches of the enemy and come into the kingdom of God. For the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus said, have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Really? Yes. How come I didn't know that? Because my people perish for lack of knowledge. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to give you knowledge and understanding. Why do I need to have knowledge and understanding? Because once you know what the will of God is, you can begin to believe God because it goes on and it says, for the salvation of everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. That doesn't mean a lot for us, but basically the whole world was comprised in the Jewish mindset of Jews and Greeks. You had Jews, you had Greeks. And so basically what Paul is saying, for everyone, whether you're Jew or Gentile, the gospel is for everyone who will believe. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith or by faith for faith or out of faith so you can walk in faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The word revealed in this verse is the Greek word apocalypto. It means to disclose or to make fully known. The power of God for salvation, spirit, soul, body is revealed and is made manifest through faith. So we see again faith is the key to access the power and the promises of God. Hebrews 4, 1 through 2. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering to his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? It wasn't mixed with faith in those who heard it. So if you want the word of God to be profitable to you, you've got to mix the word with your faith. What I'm saying is that in the kingdom of God, there is a great banquet provided for because of what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. And the Bible says in Isaiah 55, come and eat, come and dine at my table. But in order to come and eat and come and dine, you've got to accept and believe what Jesus has done for us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And uh, third point I want to look at, and we were looking at Jesus, and we looked at the apostles, now we want to look at the Acts church, the church in the very first century, and what we can learn about faith in their lives. Acts 6, 2 through 6, it says, The twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. They were having a problem in the ministry of feeding the widows, and they brought it to the apostles, and they said, What are we going to do about it? And they said, Look, it's not good for us to leave what we do to go take care of this issue. And so uh, what we need you to do, um, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So what were they full of? <laughs> Holy Spirit, I had to catch you before you said something else. They were full of the Holy Spirit, and they were full of wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business, but we will give ourselves continually the prayer and the ministry of the word, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Tim, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the disciples, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Okay, so first of all, they have a problem. There's an issue going on in the church. They need some help. This is the first calling of deacons. The word deacon actually means someone who serves. We need people to serve, and they call these seven people, and they're called deacons. But he said, what, what, what are the qualifications? They need to be full of the Holy Spirit, and they need to be full of wisdom. Right? Now, these men who are full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom were there, uh, um, uh, were either there on the day that, of Pentecost or they received from those that were there. They would not be full of the Holy Spirit if they hadn't waited on the promise of God. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth, right? So they uh, were here, heard the promise. If they weren't there, they also received from those that were in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, and one set upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. So I want you to understand what we're talking about when we're saying they were full of the Holy Spirit, they were full full of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's power. We good? And they were full of wisdom. So what I want you to see is that the gospel to the disciples was not just getting them saved. It was also that they were baptized in the Spirit and they were receiving power. All of these men that were selected to be deacons were full of the Holy Spirit, so they had full of the Holy Spirit's power, potential power, and wisdom. But only one of them We'll see here in a minute in Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Stephen, full of faith and power. He was the only one that not only was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, but he was the only one of whom it says he was full of faith. Philip. No, Stephen was full of faith. Why is this important? Because they were all saved. They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, but only Stephen was moving in signs and wonders. What was different in Stephen's life? They were all full of the Holy Spirit. They were all, so they all had power. They all had authority because they were walking around in Jesus' name. And they were all full of wisdom. What made Stephen different? He was full of faith. Listen to what I'm telling you. He was full of faith. It was 
faith that allowed him to access the power that was upon all the disciples. You may be saying to yourself, well, I've been saved. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I spoke in other tongues. I did all the kind of stuff, but I'm not walking in power. Well, the reason you're not walking in power is because you've got to have faith to access that which God had empowered you with. It's kind of like in these walls, when we put the building together, we wired it for electricity. But it wasn't connected to the power until we called the lighting company, and they came and connected the building to the power. But that power doesn't do you any good until you hook up. Doug, Doug's in here, and, and, and now things are changing because now you got batteries and all that kind of But before, Doug's in here, him and Amanda are in here, and they're, they're cleaning the sanctuary. If they want that vacuum cleaner to work, they got to plug it in. That electricity is there. It's available to everybody. But they're the ones that are accessing, accessing that power. How are they accessing that power? They're accessing it by plugging in. How was Stephen accessing power that was available to everybody and doing the works that he was doing is because he plugged in. And how do you plug in? you got to be full of faith. I feel like I'm going round and round and round trying to get you to understand, trying to get you to comprehend, and I have no clue whether you do or not. Are you getting it? Faith. It was faith that allowed Stephen to access the power that was upon all the disciples. Faith is the key to accessing the promises of God in our lives. That brings me to my final point, the church today and faith. Mark 16, 15 through 18 says, And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. You see that? He who believes, right? Why am I baptized? Because I believe. But he who does not believe will be condemned. What's the key here? It doesn't say he who does not believe and not be baptized. It's not about baptism. There was a thief on the cross that didn't get baptized. He still went to heaven because he believed. It's about believing. Do you believe? Then you'll be saved. If you don't believe, you're condemned. Believe in what? the good news of Jesus Christ. And these signs, moreover, will follow those who believe. So first of all, this is salvation is for believers, but in that, that arena of salvation of believers, in that arena, even though it's available to all, these signs will follow those who believe. Who believe in what? Jesus? No, we've already confined that. We're already talking to people who believe in Jesus. These signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow them. That's the context. These signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow them. In my name, they will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. How are these things going to happen if you believe? It's faith that accesses the promises of God for your life. We, too, have, as God's church, have been saved. I don't know that everybody's here is saved, but I'm going to talk to you like you are. If you're not, you can leave here today knowing you are. What do I have to do to do that? Just believe. Believe in the work that Jesus did for you. 
We too, as God's church, have been saved, and as God's children, we have access to the authority of Jesus' name, to the baptism of power, and to all the promises of God for his church today. Ephesians 1 and 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, why is it that I'm not accessing and I'm not seeing them because they're in heavenly places? How do I bring them from heavenly places into my place? You have to believe. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. In other words, God's not stingy. God's not saying no. God is saying, I made this available to you. Then how is it that I access that? Then that, that is why through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. What does amen mean? It means so be it. What God has promised, I come into agreement with. By what I say, by what I do, by what I believe, I come into agreement with him. I begin to say the same thing. This is God's will for my life. And when I do that, I'm saying, amen, so be it. Amen is not just a ritual thing that we say when we're in church. Amen, if you're saying it and confessing it to the Lord, it means I agree with that. What we need to access the promises that God has given us is faith. I could have just said that, and we could have gone home. But sometimes we need to hear it again and again and again so we recognize what the Bible teaches and so that we can have faith to believe what God is doing and wants to do, not just for all those around us, but also in my life. I didn't put this in here, but it reminds me of that woman that had a flow of blood for 12 years, I believe, and uh, she heard about Jesus. She didn't hear about Jesus from himself. She heard about others that had been touched by Jesus. Perhaps they'd been healed. Perhaps they'd been delivered. Perhaps they received some miracle from God, and they came into town, and they say, look at what Jesus did for me. Look at how Jesus changed my life. And when she heard that, she had been suffering for 12 years with a flow of blood when she heard that something went off in her if I can just get to Jesus then I think Jesus can touch me too what was happening faith was birthing in her but she had heard the word she heard the testimony and something within her said I can get to Jesus if I can get to him I too can receive just like they did and then she heard that Jesus was passing by and when unfortunately when Jesus was passing by there was a great crowd and she wasn't allowed to go in the crowd because she was unclean and unclean people can't touch clean people and she could have been stoned but she said no I've got to get to Jesus I've got to get if I can just get to him and touch the hem of his garment I know I will be healed and so she pressed through the crowd and without Jesus knowing she touched the hem of his garment and when she touched the hem of his garment the Bible says that spirit of the Lord that was upon him the power that was upon him they called it virtue virtue went out of him why because somebody connected into that socket somebody said if I can just touch the hem of his garment I will be healed and when she connected the plug when faith touched him Power was released into her life. And the Bible says she was instantly made whole. Are you hearing what I'm saying? She believed. What does belief look like? It means I know that if I can just touch Jesus, if Jesus can hear my cry, if I call, I know that I'm going to receive what everybody else receives. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how long it takes me. Ah, it's for me too. The promise of God is for, 
for me. And I believe that if I could just touch him, I will be healed. I will be saved. I will be delivered. I want you to know, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your physical, your emotional, I don't know where you're at in life. But if you believe, you do not have to believe here the same way you came in. I believe that God is in this place. I believe that God loves me. God wants to touch me. And if I can just touch him, I can leave here healed. I can leave here whole. I can leave here saved. I can leave here just like everybody else that's been touched by God. All they got to do is believe. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not believed. And you, what does that mean? It means it's I, I, when I hear what God's Word says, when I'm here about what Jesus is doing, what Jesus has done, the work that He did on the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, something inside of me says, that's true. Something inside of me says, that's for me. And all of a sudden, faith is birthed in me. And I know that even though I can't see it, even though I'm convinced that God's Word is true and it's true for me. How is faith evident? James 2, 17 through 18. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Basically, faith is our trust in the certainty of what God has said in his word to the point that we are willing to and ultimately do act upon it. Somebody comes up here and preaches, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. You begin to think, you think God will save me. We say, yes, he will save you. You think God will, and all of a sudden you begin to, something begins to rise up in you, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what kind of person I've been. You don't know the things that, that I've done in life and the acts that I've committed. And we continue to tell you that the word of God says whoever, and if you're a whoever, it doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how you've been. If you're a whoever and you respond in faith and call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And all of a sudden you begin to, oh, I wonder if it's me because I could use that. That's what I did. God, If uh, will you save me? Because he, are you real, God? Because I need you in my life and God answered me and he said yes I am and you begin to believe and so when they call and they say would you like prayer would you like to give your life to God would you like to change from the kingdom of darkness and change your citizenship from that under the devil's kingdom into the kingdom of God and something inside of you says yes I believe that I need that then all of a sudden when there's a call you begin to move forward and you said I want to call on the name of the Lord you think God will save me I believe he will and we begin to pray for you and because you're there because you're acting you're not just thinking you're acting all of a sudden, when you call on the Lord, God's power touches you because you believe. Not because you're curious. Not because you're, uh, 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 you know, uh, kind of finding things, but because you're willing to act. You believe. And when you act, the power of God is released into your life and you get saved. Well, I got a problem with uh, substance abuse. You think God can heal me of that? All things are possible to those who believe. If faith is so important, how do we get faith? Romans 10 and 17, I've already said it to you, but I'll say it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how do I wrap this up? Faith is the key that opens the door to access the promises of God in our lives. It's faith that allows the power and the promises of God to be released in our lives and in our midst. 
Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. No, you don't have this. I added this just this morning. The word without, where it says without faith, the word without comes from a Greek word which means outside. So another way of translating this would be outside of the realm of faith it is impossible to bring delight and pleasure to God. How do I access the promises of God? You've got to get inside the realm of faith. Romans 1 and 17. For in it, the righteous, let me say the whole thing. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God under the salvation of those who believe. In this Romans 1 and 17, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed who uh, to those who through it is revealed through faith, for faith, as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. And finally, Mark 9 and 23, Jesus said to the man who came to Jesus and said, hey, can you help me? I brought him to your disciples. I brought, remember uh, that, that passage, and they couldn't help him. Can you help me? And Jesus said, actually said to him, he said to him, if you can. And Jesus said to them, if you can believe, all things are possible those who believe. Now I want you to know that power is in this room right now. I'm not talking about spiritual power. I'm talking about natural power. Power is in this room. Whether you feel it, touch it, doesn't matter. It's in this room. Now you see signs of that power through the lights that are on, through the, 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 uh, the mic that I'm using. You see signs of that power everywhere. There is power in this room. Electrical power. But I also want you to know that there is power in this room spiritual power because God is everywhere. God is in this place and the word of God is being preached. And I want you to know that God has shown up and he has brought everything with him. Salvation, freedom, healing, deliverance. He's brought all of that with him. And he said, you think he's here for me? All things are possible to those who believe. All the promises of God are yes. Yeah, there was a leper that came to Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He started to have a little faith, but he was unsure whether Jesus would do it for him. And Jesus said to him, I am willing. He's in this place today. Well, what do I have to do to access the promises of God? What do I have to do? First of all, you've got to get right with God. You need salvation, you need, to get sal you need to get saved. But if you need healing, you need to connect with God. You need to believe Jesus Christ paid the price for your spiritual salvation and for your physical salvation. Now, I would say this, Jesus didn't say this, but I would say this, what good is it to get healed physically and go to hell? You can get saved and get healed physically. I want to have both. You can get delivered from your, uh, uh, from your addictions. But I want you to know that most people that are addicted to something is because they got deep troubles in their life. They got deep problems in their life. They're either rejected or they have a problem with anger or they're, or they're emotionally bound or they have problems with relationships or finance. Stuff goes on and they use drugs to hide the pain. And so God can deliver you from the substance, but if you still have the pain, you're going to find some other way to cover it up. But God wants to heal you and deliver you, not just from the substance. God wants to deliver you from that which is causing you pain. Or hear what I'm saying? You can have both. God wants to set you free. You think God would do that for me? I know God will do that for you. He said, what do I have to do? All things are possible to those who believe.